so today we're talking about Eurocentric ideals of beauty. The thing with the Eurocentric beauty standards is that it's so normalized that some it's only been recently that like we're starting to bring up the topic of how there's not enough diversity but even within diversity like that companies are starting to involve there's like when they're trying to include like different stereotypes they're still missing a lot of it so they have like i would say quote-unquote generic faces that represent like a certain country but when they say let's i'm gonna get into like more these actually what they say for example what i see is when they say asian they will do either Chinese, Korea, or specific ones that are more like whitewashed, like ones that are more um, well in, in Western society. I guess that's how I would say it. Um, yeah, I think um, it's very hard growing up as like uh a BIPOC person in like a settler colony because um, essentially they are the people that have designed the framework of how we can exist in and in terms of what's deemed and also just like in terms of how things sell and what sells is usually based off of like Eurocentric standards of beauty. But I think the more we start to look at it, we start to see like the intric- intricacies of what that looks like and the implications of for BIPOC people. So even under the standards of Eurocentric standards of beauty, it's like the more, um, if you're not white, then you're not deemed attractive. However, if you're deemed attractive, it's like the more white aligning you are, the more attractive you are. And then within that, so it's like, um, often at times people that are ambiguous looking, like Aaron was saying earlier, more white aligning are tend to viewed as viewed as more attractive. And then there's like colorism within that same space as well, which impacts all communities is like the lighter skinned you are, the better deemed like attractive that you are. And then there's also things like featureism. It's like the more Eurocentric features you have as a person of color, the more exotified you are or told you're more attractive. And so there's so many like levels of it to, too, that it goes into. Um, so literally this topic, is so close to home to me because I was I completely changed who I was for that um my hair naturally is not straight I permanently straightened my hair and so I can't get the curls back very easily I had large curly hair and I was so quote-unquote ashamed I was very ashamed of it because I was like I don't fit in everybody keeps making fun of me and I remember like us Arab women we have like we have wider hips. We've got butts, man. Like, so unfortunately I was heavily made fun of it as a child. Like I was heavily made fun of it. And then all of a sudden it became cool. All of a sudden I it's accepted. And I find it so messed up because they reject parts of us. And then all of a sudden they accept parts of us, but they'll reject everything else about us. It's like they pick and choose what they deem attractive about our cultures or about our ethnic, like our ethnicities. And then, but they, they use it to like create this ideal form of beauty for every single culture that nobody can attain. Nobody can attain that. Like nobody can attain that. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Like <laughs> Growing up. Um, so my parents are fairly like we're. They're not too light, but my parents are more on like the fairer side. And the people in my family, like we all range in a different skin tone. No one's like a set skin tone. And when I was a child, I was, I was very, very light. And then as I grew older, I got darker. And 
it was so evident in my family like like I would go to like family events and like oh why are you so dark hutch and like oh you need to put sunblock on like I was I just turned my skin just got darker like I don't know how am I supposed to control that and because of that oh my god I literally like there's a company and it's a whitening cream and there were I think I like for like four years or something I used it religiously in order to get lighter like religiously I did like home remedies whatnot just to change myself to like fit Eurocentric like standards of just oh and there's a thing where it's like oh if you're lighter you are more attract like that just doesn't make sense because South Asians range from different like skin tones and it's mainly because uh, geographically we're placed closer some of us are a bit closer to the equator and some of us are more lower than that that's how our skin tone was like through evolution everything our skin tone changes like even in like if you look at one country like Sri Lankans they can go from like really really pale to really really dark and we're all Sri Lankans we identify Sri Lankans like nothing else changes and I mainly think it's because of like colonialism that because there's settlers that came to Sri Lanka and it was just like after them coming there was this perspective in people's minds being white or being like not white white but like being a fairer skin tone is more respected or more attractive because they have the ideal not body but the ideal view and like by living in Canada, like, I, I grew up in a really multicultural, like, community, but still, I had that insecurity within myself. It's just like, oh, I want to look a lot more darker. I want to fit the Eurocentric view. Well, I can't change that. It's, I'm actually, like, I am who I am. Like, my ancestors, like, I'm this, I look this way because of my ancestors. Like, I can't change that. It's just like, oh, just because some person on a beauty blog it's just like oh you need to look dark you need to look lighter and that's how you'll set like you'll fit in I try to fit that and it's just like it's so messed up and like the fact that it was ingrained in my head it took so many years for me to just like accept myself of who I am and it was just a really hard battle for me So funny enough, by the way, like I got the same exact whitening cream that I was like forced upon me as a child um, because at the time I lived in Egypt. So um, everybody was dark. We're all dark, but I was much, much darker as a child. And I don't even know how I, I don't know how I got this light. I'll be honest, <laughs> but um, I, I was very, very dark. And so my mom would keep pushing this like cream on me because the fairer skinned you are, the more attractive you are. And I'm like, even in Egypt, even in Egypt, this is a thing. Are you kidding me? Like, like why though? Like, why are we, wh why? And I, I just, I never understood why everybody felt such a need to be so white. Like I never used it. I literally never used it. I just never understood it. And I never, I never, got it but as I aged I noticed that I slowly started to want to fit in so much more that I literally molded myself just so that I can fit in especially when I moved to Canada I think it was way more there because I remember very clearly being called exotic 
when I first got here and all of my high school friends are so exotic. I'm like, okay, didn't know I was a fruit, but thank you. Um, um, but so, so after that happened, I was just clearly, clearly I'm different. I went blonde. I, I went my, I made my hair fully straight. I wore everything to hide my curves. And it was, it was so ridiculous. Like the lengths that we would go to. And I, I just think that if we could just normalize everything about ethnic beauty, that would be great. And I don't mean, I don't just mean the thing that they deem attractive. I mean, the things that they don't deem attractive, like uh, Arab women are naturally more hairy. Don't make fun of them. It's not okay. It's not all right. Anything about us, just like accept every, like if you're going to accept some things about us, rejecting the others are just not okay in my opinion there was that one thing that um both Dibana and you um kind of covered was the the skin thing and the one thing that suddenly brought to mind was like tanning people how people would tan to get certain features of that but then when it's like a bunch of these things where it's like if you're naturally born with it and something you can't change then it's like not seen as it's not as welcomed i guess but when it's things that for example people who um have like not those features they can change into it once they can turn into it it's a trend it's a fashion it's seen of something like it's it's something like popularized but when it's actually done on someone that has those distinct features then it's like looked down upon but okay so (laughs) i think in eurocentric beauty the issue with it is that during with companies now since the globalization and everything that um finally people have tried started to acknowledge that there's different features and different the pretend skin tone uh particularly i guess and like different hair types different just different parts of people but one thing that companies do not actually acknowledge is that although they're trying to incorporate and sell the idea that they are a diverse company that they accept different types of ethnicities and religions, they don't exactly show it. It's not exactly there because you can see there's the lack of diversity showing in their type of marginalized representations. For example, Asia, they would choose people with South Korean, people of Chinese ethnicity, but they would not choose someone from other parts even though they are prevalent there and they do exist. And they're part of their audience, obviously, but they choose people that they still feel are more westernized and probably people that are more known and favor when in the westernized environment. Yeah, I was going to say like a lot of the struggles that I think BIPOC people have as well too in general is like we live in a society that constantly validate whiteness. Um, white mediocrity is white excellence. Um, and that even applies to beauty standards as well too. Like the most basic of white features are also always deemed as the most attractive of white features. And it's in a lot of ways, like Debana touched on it, a lot of it is through colonialism, the spread of the ideal of what beauty standards is and what each of us have very distinct experiences with 
Eurocentric beauty standards and how it's impacted our communities, right? So like in Asia, it'll be different in terms of like how it was practiced there, but still you the same measure of like whiteness, right? Um, a story that comes to mind specifically in Africa, and I like to refer to this because it's very popular, is like the Sarah Bartke or the Hotentin Venus, which was like this um, South African woman who had like a really large buttocks and they just put her in, like they essentially was this contract. She didn't know how to read or write. And they offered in this contract to tour Europe. Essentially, she was put in a circus and then a zoo. And then she was just like exhibited for white people to just view. And later on in her life, she ended up just kind of having to sleep with people for money because she was stuck in Paris type of a thing. And that was one of Nelson Mandela's last acts was like to bring her remains back to be buried in um, in, in South Africa after she had passed away in Europe. And it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for the divide. We see that with um, as a tactic to like um, whiten out populations with, as we see as a tactic in indigenous communities because then they have less claim to land um, or tribal citizenship. We see that in terms of... Um, even like Rwanda in terms of dividing communities by, you know, Tutsi and Hutus, just even siblings, people who have more white looking features. And on a global scale, everybody has this like colonial experience of using that Eurocentric uh, centric measure. And so, so much of it is ingrained before our families even come to Canada. And then now we're coming to a place where this was like a settler colony. And um, so our media also continues to reinforce that. Our media constantly shows us the easy, flawless, beautiful person who wakes up with silky straight blonde hair and just like swishes through. And then you're thinking, well, that can't be me. I'm not blonde or blue eyed or, you know, thin or this or that. You're not fitting those ideals. It continues, movies continue to perpetrate the attractive people to be these impossible standards. And it's just always in your face. So you also just grow up having colonial cultural messed up like Eurocentric standards of beauty plus living in a new country and or growing up in a new country that continues to reinforce you about how a, like how whiteness is the standard of beauty and another thing I just briefly wanted to touch upon too is like now that we're in a space where people are of different cultures are now being seen as beautiful it's kind of being put into this place of exotifying and so our features are always used to be exotic like I too used to like I didn't know what my hair looked like because it was straight my whole growing up when I came out the womb they put a chemical on my head and that's it and I had to make the active choice to like stop putting a chemical to straighten my hair and I did not know how to take care of my own hair because I never had to take care of the curly hair that grows out of my head. I've always had my hair chemically straightened and that was a hard battle, but then, you know, you, you grew out of it or whatever, but also the fact that white people like to play with ethnic identities, like it's a costume. So the whole, you can tan, but you can wash off the tan. Cause then you don't have to, you don't have to know what it's like to be too dark skin and navigate the world as a really dark skin person. You can put on the Fox eye and try to look East Asian, but then don't have to worry about, you know, the, um, slaughter of Asian people during the gold rush after building, um, you know, your real roads and being offensive terms being used for them or sexualizing them. You can ha want to have Arab features and dress up like an Arabian night for one night and not have to deal with the consequences of being an Arab woman. And so I have such a huge problem when I see people trying to live in those ambiguous spaces because we are not costumes. You don't get to pick and choose when you want parts of ourselves to look more exotic when you've been the standard of beauty your whole life. Sorry. <laughs> but something that, like when you were talking about movies, something came to mind, like growing up, I grew up in Canada. So I wasn't, I, in order to like, um, learn my language better I used to watch style movies growing up like I was obsessed like that's what I did like 24 7 other than like cartoons and I remember going up and seeing 
all these actors and actresses that speak the same language as me and all they might not be the same ethnicity they were close enough like it was like Indian Tamil and they're Sri Lankan Tamil but it's it's literally the same thing but something that I noticed was all of the actors were really light-skinned and it didn't make sense like it just didn't make sense and I used to ask my parents like why do they look lighter than I am or like why do they look different from us like they're the same people as us and my parents are like because directors they choose people who would um fit like the Eurocentric ideal like views of being light of being skinny or whatnot and just like they were like really really dark like light and I'm like I know for a fact there are dark people in India or like she's like I know there are darker people and it's just it didn't make sense and like I was like I was always confused about it but then growing up I can clearly see of how North Indians are coming down into like um Tollywood that's what we call it um and it's just I'm like there's literally some actors out there looking trying to get a chance and it's all these like north indian people coming in and like whenever you go to an indian store you'll see like models of like for like the clothing and it's always it's always i can bet you 50 dollars. it's always a north um a north indian person who's much much lighter like, like i can't even get that light even if i chemically bleach my skin or it's a white person wearing a sari or wearing a langa or something and i'm just like why like it just doesn't make sense and whenever like on even like in like um like showrooms or whatnot they wouldn't have models of the same skin even though they're Sri Lankan even though like like it just doesn't make sense and I'm just like I feel like the only way that there's in order to change this I feel like there people need to understand there needs to be diversity and like it starts from like a young age it's not something that you notice when you're older it needs to start from a younger age and there needs to be more um representation of people's like of of BIPOC people like even like with Barbies like nowadays there's more Barbies with different ethnicities but like growing up I grew up with uh, a, a light-skinned um like white girl with blonde hair blue eyes and that's why I thought was pretty and I would like I would be like I was like why don't I look like that it was just like at first, I didn't think of it, but growing up, I remember look, thinking about that. I was just like, I can never look like that. That's, I don't know, it's just, yeah. It's funny you say that because literally, I never bought a Barbie. I literally bought a Bratz for the exact reason that I actually, like, somewhat resemble these women. Like, big lips, like, like the long, like, very long hair. They're, one is called Yasmin. I'm like, hell yes. Thank you. Finally, an Arab. and you know when you bring up these subjects I feel like I feel like it's a really odd transition that you go through your life where you slowly start to release these like Eurocentric visions of beauty like you first you're just like I want to be them so bad and then all of a sudden you start to be made to feel exotic for your features so then you're like yes I am so beautiful oh my god I am so Arab and beautiful and then then you start to realize that we're all beautiful. Like, I can't believe just because I fit these like white standards of beauty from my ethnicity that I thought I was pretty. And if other people didn't fit that, then they're not. Like you start to realize like, hey, like we're literally just in a way kind of being brainwashed. (laughs) Like 
we're being brainwashed into thinking that this is the standard for beauty. This is like, we're not pretty enough. We're not good enough. We're not this enough. If we're not this, 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 and this, and this. And I feel like, just like you said, Debar, like it starts from representation. The only way to fix this is representing those who don't fit the quote unquote white ideals of beauty from every ethnicity, you know, like you are beautiful regardless of the standards, like that you don't meet, like who cares? Like everybody is beautiful. Everybody, regardless of your features that don't fit into the mold of beauty are beautiful. Like it doesn't matter. And so I feel like it's really important for us to start representing more as, as our generation starts to take up the more important and head rules. It's really important to start representing everybody from every single ethnicity, every single body type, every single facial feature. It doesn't matter. We, we really need to start representing them more. I think, um, yeah, representation, yes. But I also feel like one thing that's like happens that needs to be addressed, even now, like all the things are changing. It's so harmful. I think the difference between like people uh, born here that identify as Canadians compared to people that are born here or anywhere that do not identify with um, a Western ethnicity is the (sighs) issue of these features that we have come to hate earlier that has put us like distinct from being able to go in and migrate within these group, which we probably had wanted to at some part of our life, is that now, okay, for example, back then in high school, I would use, I don't know if you guys know it, it's like this freaking like eyelid tape that would make your eyes go double eyelid. I, oh gosh. Like I would do that every single morning. Sometimes I'd be late for school because I can't get it to be right. But then it kind of sucks because yeah, there's always that like thing during the growing stage where where anyone and everyone is uncomfortable with their own body. They haven't found out who they are yet. But when it comes to having, we have extra things added onto our plate that we're dealing with, that we're in care about, including like our features that, for example, we don't know, like we actually know, we understand that like, from people who fit Eurocentric views and beauty is that they'll see us as odd and different. We don't know what we're comparing ourselves with. Why are we matching ourselves to different ethnicity? Like genetically, it's impossible unless we go and get surgery done. Even then, like, I don't mind plastic surgery. Like you do whatever you want, but for the sake, doing it for the sake of trying to please someone is just going to be a continuous cycle of not being able to grow into our bodies and being comfortable with it. And I think it's just, it's a dangerous cycle. It's not just a mental thing. That's also a physical thing. Either way, like they're both, it's just, it's to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. There's like the whole decolonizing the beauty industry is a very, very important thing as well too. So, um, no matter what you do to change (laughs) who you are, if you're not decolonizing your beauty standards, you're always going to have issues with the way you look. So it's not just like a a plastic surgery thing, because obviously you can do all these things. Hell, you could straighten the hell out of your hair as I grew up that way. I... (laughs) 
still black, right? <laughs> like there was, there's nothing that's going to change, right? So like decolonizing our beauty standards is, is very important, but also holding the beauty industry accountable for what they do and how they have a strong impact. And I've noticed that they're trying to use, you know, a lot more people of color. They're trying to expand ranges, but the beauty industry is still in, inherently sexist and racist, right? It sells you insecurities. And how do you sell insecurities to majority of the world? Because I think sometimes people forget that BIPOC people are, are the majority, <laughs> are the majority is you got to kind of continue to perpetrate those standards of beauty. And I think sometimes it's in the tiniest little ways in which they market things. Right. Um, sometimes it's like, I've noticed this always annoys me. And I'm like, you know, when you're trying to buy a foundation and like, it's usually like the whitest range, that would be like one, two, three. And then it goes all the way to the darkest range. I'm like, do we need to number foundation colors? Do we need to number them? I don't think it's even necessary. We can give them names. We can, um, some companies would do like codes, like neutral, warm, and then it's just like different. Like there's so many ways where it's like subconsciously we're making an impact without even noticing it, right? How are we marketing things to people? How are we marketing things to women? You say you have, um, suddenly now we have a lot of darker shades and that's great, but then it's like, um, minimal effort in terms of the marketing and promotion long-term. It's like, you put one black model and that's it, but then that's it. Or like they'll have one black model and then forget there's other ethnicities out there. Um, so it's like, we gave you body, we gave you something. What are you complaining about? Kind of like leaving people of color to continue to fight amongst themselves too. Cause there's like barely anything. And so, so there's still such a long way to go in terms of the beauty industry and also our own beauty standards and just taking a step back and accepting that one, you can straighten your hair if you want to. I straighten my hair all the time. My favorite thing to do is change wigs and change hairstyles. I like to do braids. I like pink wigs. I want to look different all the time, but I'm not trying to look white or I'm not trying to appeal to white people because no matter what I do, I'm not going to be that. And also I don't want to be that person. Like I want to be myself. Um, one day I may have children. Even if I don't, I have younger siblings and I want them to look at me and feel like they're perfect as they are. So, yeah. Something that I noticed about marketing is what pisses me off is foundation of people. Like this is such a eurocentric view of like nay of calling people of color, sun-kissed, chocolate, caramel, like my foundation is called chocolate mousse. I don't want to put chocolate mousse on my face. Like, like, is there honestly, like, honestly, I would not mind codes. Like if it's a standard code that everyone uses, that's perfectly fine. Like market it that way. That would be much easier when you're like transferring from one company to another. That's so much more effective than chocolate mousse. Weedish, dusky, like, this is the thing I don't get. They'll have such a wide range for light-skinned people, right? But then when it comes to dark skin, there's like maybe like, I'm not going to say specific companies. There's certain companies that have like five or six ranges. And then people, like light-skinned people, they use it for contouring. And that's perfectly fine. But when I have hyperpigmentation, that's a problem. It's like, oh, you need to stop going out so much. Or you need to like put extra like products to fix that out. So it's an even tone. Like, yes. Okay. That's my problem. But you don't have, like, why is it okay if they like darken certain parts of their face and call it contouring? That's perfectly fine. But then I have to cover up what my face looks like naturally. Like, I honestly don't like it just doesn't make sense and another thing that 
about Eurocentric views is um, straight hair being tame, like perfect, wavy, while curly hair being like wild or at least unprofessional. Yes. And as a child, I my parents have mixed hairs. My dad's curly hair, my mom's straight hair. And growing up, I had really curly hair. I still do, but like, it just depends on my length. And now my hair turns straight. But I remember when I was little, my mom used to try to straighten my hair with a hair strainer so my hair doesn't look too crazy like whenever I'm going out and it's just like I'm like I would laugh at mom like you're not gonna get my hair straight like we tried every single we had like three or four hair straighteners just to like try to calm my hair down because my hair my curls just went whoosh and it was it was just I was like I'll just laugh and she's like it's not gonna go down it's literally not gonna go down and and it's just I feel like we need to change that or like anti-frizz like bro anti-frizz okay I get it I get where they're coming from but frizz is natural it just comes like it's like saying that friction cannot exist frizz just exists and I was just like and another thing that I noticed is like like companies make so much money off of like um certain products that are that basically transform your skin like okay there's certain products that help your natural hair come out like from like if you're like I used and it it damaged my hair so bad like it damaged it like my hair was dry it was like scaly it was just horrible my hair was falling out and I literally had to transition my hair to like products that's like that was more um applicable or more like healthy for my hair and it was it was such a nightmare when you said the whole foundation colors and stuff like that that had me triggered dude because imagine having a foundation called Punjab okay like with that it's just not okay like it's just not okay like are you really selling a culture like are you really selling a culture and then are you really going to sell it to me as a skin color? Honestly, just send it to me as, as, as medium tone. It's that easy. It's really that easy. It's not that hard. You don't, you don't have to appropriate an entire culture just for a sake of a color in a tube. Yeah, I think it also comes to like the naming of products too comes into the whole like people of color's features being as like a costume for white people because a lot of the time the people in the marketing rooms or like um the PR even with brands that are like known to be inclusive have problematic names and that's because all around it's not probably like a full-on inclusive staff it's probably like a bunch of different people funders are different and funders might approve or disapprove of certain things so it's like a bigger beast uh, rather than just the face um and even like another thing I was thinking about too is just like when Aaron was talking about using the tape I, I find it funny because now I watch people on YouTube when they're applying their um, their eyeliner will use tape to try to get the perfect eye because they're trying to recreate that shape and they call it fox eye. And again, it's the whole using people of color's features as though a costume. Um, the same things that they've made, the same things that they made um, fun of us for, the same things that they've told us are not attractive for, the same things that, you know, people have given us a hard time for is now something they're reinventing the wheel and calling it fancy names. And it's because whenever they want to drop it, whether it's not a trend anymore, whether your features are no longer a trend anymore, they want to be able to drop it without the repercussion or having to do the internal work of racism, or they want to wear it and take it off because that's how it works. And I think, um, Everybody should be paying attention to this. Um, yeah, um, if I hear 
one more person saying they're doing the fox eye look, I might just <laughs> taping their eyes. <laughs> just I might just lose it. Um, I guess one thing that actually brought up about things, I guess like your centric things, just the idea of people only accepting what others can modify, like the costume that um, Rosie has been saying. And then I think another thing that would come to mind, uh, Yuanian use another as another example is interracial babies being fetishized. That thing is such a big topic that I find so disgusting. People wanting to mix into the perfect mold of who they want by mixing and matching using different cultures. We, it just makes it that like people are commodities basically at this point. We're striving for things that are literally like impossible to the point that they're using genes to modify how we are. And I know you guys have a lot to say, so I will like get to talk. It's just that like, I'm, I'm actually in an intercultural relationship, right? Okay. So I've, I've, oh my God, Uh, literally. So my boyfriend is half white, half uh, Chinese. Okay. The number one thing that people keep telling me, your babies are going to be so pretty. They're going to be white, Asian, and Arabic. They get the best of all worlds. I'm like, I swear to God, if you say that to me one more time, like I, I will lose it because it's just, how can you literally just tell me like, oh, you're, you just won the lottery of genetics. You're going to have the perfectly molded child. It's just like, for the love of God, please don't impose that on, on intercultural relationships. Cause that's not, we're not with them for perfect babies. You know, we're with them because we love them just like any other relationship. So please don't talk. You don't go up to a, like two white white people and who are in a relationship and be like, you're going to have such beautiful babies. Like I get that it comes from a good, from a good place in, in a way. Okay, maybe not a good place, but like it's, oh, I hate it. I hate it. It's just, please don't make, our future unborn children a commodity you know like they're literally unborn you know i can't even imagine what's going to happen if they are born do you know what i mean yeah and in that same token though there are some people that are dating interracially for all the wrong reasons um i just like to point out that during the black lives matter uh, when people were going out for the marches there were literally people holding signs that said stop killing black men i want to have mixed babies and um i was like excuse me so there are some there are people out there that that to them this is a big science experiment and even on that note anytime somebody says that to me I just immediately like if I'm dating I always come if I'm dating somebody that looks like me nobody nobody even cares to call us a cute couple nobody even <laughs> you're just normal right if you're if I'm dating somebody that does not look like me people will actually stop me um especially if that other person is more like lighter skin than than I am it's just immediately being stopped and being told that oh my god you guys are a cute couple you'll have cute children da, da, da. And whenever they say that you have cute children, I think my rebuttal is always like, oh, just like eugenics, <laughs> because this was actually an, a mandate, a part of like, you know, it started as part of Nazi Germany and it came into the United States and it impacted a lot of research in terms of health research, in terms of like medical research and it, it impacted beauty as well. And I don't know if people realize how creepy it is to say that just because you like pe- two people of different races, they're going to make something cute. It, it, there's a lot of problematic statements within that in itself. Um, it, it just, it creeps me out. <laughs> and like the thing that um, Aaron said of people mixed and matching certain things, it's like, 
I used to be bullied for being hairy. And then there's people out here doing bushy eyebrows. Bushy eyebrows. What? It does not make sense. Or like people, like I get, okay, okay, this is the, I don't mean this negative way, but people wearing wigs to just change, like, I, like, I don't mean it in a mean way. I just, certain people just, they do it so they look exotic, but then they don't want to deal with it. Like I have mixed hair, I have straight hair and I have curly hair, but I have to handle, I have to maintain it. I have to like literally take care of this. And then they just want it like do it like overnight. It's just like, oh, I just buy this. I just put it. And then like, I'm going to take pictures for Instagram. I'm going to post be like hashtag equality and then take it off and just at the same time, just like backlash people. The same people that they were trying to appropriate, like, it just, it's not just, like, clothing. It's certain things, such as just beautiful, like, like, the fox eye thing. Like, you're literally, like, you're appropriating their culture. Like, culture is not something that you can use as your toy. It's literally embedded. Like, it's offensive. And people need to learn that. Like, even though we're in 2020, people still do it, and they don't care. And it just needs to be, like, if you see someone like literally appropriating something say something because that's the only way they'll, they'll listen or like at least let them know i think talking about that um public attention views like we're me I, I feel like i haven't said why it's dangerous yet in the danger yeah obviously it harms a person but in the bigger per, bigger picture is going into industries of work where only certain looks are allowed to like work there and it's a discriminating place like yeah they may not be outright racist but it does affect a lot of aspects in our life for example um there's a bunch of news i read about uh certain hairstyles not being allowed and having to change it in order to make sure that like honestly it's kind of like what's the word called it's not simulation um uh i definitely do agree with that like uh growing up a lot or even just even my early stages looking for work I couldn't show up looking like the way I'm looking like right now on this um podcast um I would always have to even if I ever had my hair out like like naturally not straight or anything I would always have tightened a little bun where you wouldn't see it um if you literally google on professional hairstyles the first thing you'll see is like people with big curly hair usually like mixed race or like black woman or sometimes um other South Asian people also have like really big curly hair as well too and it's like considered unprofessional hair so it does have implication in terms of the workplace in terms of um uh um um, restaurants even things like that if you aren't deemed to be attractive you might not get a job as a server you might not get a job as a bartender um if you change your hair too soon (laughs) too often it's a problem um and yeah that aside too is just self-esteem self-esteem is one of the big pillars of you know um the founding blocks of maslow's um, hierarchy right and if you do not have self-esteem if you don't have confidence in yourself if you don't love yourself if you don't accept yourself that's going to impact every aspect of your life and how you make decisions and how you navigate the world and so even on a personal level outside of like work or anything too, it's, it's very, very um, psychologically, mentally, and emotionally draining um, trying to be someone that you'll never, no matter how close to whiteness you get, the system wasn't meant for you. So. <laughs> but just like you said, in the Maslow hierarchy of needs, like not only is it self-esteem, it's also like the need for belongingness. 
And so we have such a need to belong. And what are we trying to belong to? We're trying to belong to the general consensus of beauty. And, you know, when you say these things, like I literally just recalled in high school when I first moved here, I was asked to tie up my hair because nobody could see over my overly large hair. And I got so heavily bullied for my hair that it was ridiculous. Like, like, oh my God, your hair is so big. It's like practically like 50% of you. Like, and it's just like, dude, like, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think people like, listen, if somebody can't see over my hair, fine, that's fine. But the way that you addressed it was not okay. Like it, the way that it was addressed, the way that I was blamed for being different, I don't appreciate. And being forced to tie up my hair regardless of where I am in school, I did not appreciate that either. So I think it's very important to have people in power learn how to deal with BIPOC issues and and how to not be insensitive to us so that we aren't forced to pick and choose between our identity and your wants and needs of who we, of who we should be. A big thing that actually talking about like self-esteem and like how it impacts us is that it also further more visually being able to see it. It's like, it sets it up for abuse, abuse from other people, abuse from us. We, for example, gender discrimination, because like how all of you had said at some point is either being left out or being fetishized it sets it up so that we are we internalize that we are less than of some people based on our own features and that puts us at a very vulnerable place there's already gender biases but putting on top of being labeled i guess or sorted into or categorized as how attractive we are based on how close we are to western and eurocentric views um is very, like I said, just damaging and dangerous. It's also very damaging to mental health because mm-hmm. I, I know I struggled with an eating disorder for the longest time because I didn't fit in the norm of being skinny and petite because, well, genetically, I'm just I'm not made for that. Like, I'm just not made for it. So um, it, it was just, it, it can, that self-esteem can really hinder your life and your health in so many ways. And like, like the same thing with fair, like I remember growing up, I like, I just didn't look like I was always, always larger than like I had bigger breasts going up. I had like my back just went whoosh. So I have a, like a, a, a pretty big butt. And it was just like, like trying to like, I don't know, I did exercises and I literally thought it would make my butt look smaller. Like it was, it was just really ingrained. I don't know. Like I like, bro, there's so many videos online that are like oh how to have a smaller butt like now it's like how to have a bigger butt but like maybe like a few years back it's like oh how to like have like a petite waist had to like slim him up and I'm just like I literally can't do like I literally tried everything that I could it just didn't and like it's like honestly it was it was so bad for like my mental health like I felt insecure like I would literally wear clothes that made me look like a box so like I literally had no curves and like it's like one thing of people like being 
racist towards you as a race but it's another thing when you internalize it and like it's even it's like subconscious like you like you wear something and it just it's just like oh my god like i there are people are gonna make fun of me or like oh this just doesn't look good or that but then now people are like oh wear bodycon dresses and so like to extend Chewy, like sort of like your breasts or your butt it's just like now it's like it's a culture now it's cool now it's okay like fair is it but back then it was just like oh like I got bullied for it it was just like it was so bad it's just like you can't alter your natural form unless you really get surgery and that's like the only way so like I feel like people need to start teaching this in school of just how to like instead of like teaching the um mitochondria is the power cell you need to start teaching about mental health and like like just embracing yourself from an early age because you need that for the rest of your life like I don't care like I've never used that ever again I'm a pulse I major I could care less just this is so important I just I don't get why people don't like nowadays like there's more importance of it but I feel like they need to like embed it so people are more like knowledgeable about it and yeah. western beauty i think a lot of what we're talking about too is like that intersection of like um racism and like uh the male gaze or um the patriarchy which is why um and the people that uphold it are t- usually tend to be um women <clears throat> i'm not gonna say which women but women um and that's why we went from a phase of like you know, 90s um, looking like you have anorexia was like cool and like being super thin and like just ab- abnormally not okay. Like just, and then now everybody wanting to replicate features that people of color have that they were shamed for and or sexualized for, especially when you're a young child, a young child of color and you develop because culturally within you know your diet your geography whatever you you just have bigger hips or this or that and i've seen it happen before where people have sexualized children especially children of color for having hips or boobs and it's disgusting and now it's like a, a part of what everybody wants to get and so people are doing targeted workouts which i don't even think the targeted workouts is like is like bad I think targeted workouts is whatever everybody it's part of working out, but like the people that will get surgery lie about the fact that they're trying to replicate people of color's bodies and then um, try to promote it and forgetting about how we are also continuing to feed into the male gaze and patriarchy when we continue to do this and how it also puts young children at, at risk and it's dangerous for them as well too. So. Yeah. um, Just like, Barma said, I think it's really important to have specific classes engraved in our school system so that kids don't end up, like BIPOC kids don't end up feeling this way and feeling like we're kind of outcasted, but also kind of confused about our identity. I think it's very, very important. Just like there are sex ed classes, there are like home ed classes, like it's really, really, really important for like suicide rates and a lot of other things to just engrave mental health classes in schools so kids know that it's normal to go through these struggles you are perfect as you are you don't have to develop an eating disorder you don't have to develop this you don't have to change yourself to fit these molds you are beautiful as you are and that is enough 
it is incredibly important because I know for a fact that as a child, I would have heavily, heavily benefited from that. 